Praise the Lord. Isn't God good? Come on, church. Isn't God good? I've uh, been up at uh, Lost Valley, and we're putting together a, a cottage cabin for, um, I gave a slogan to uh, Brenda Reifkogel, the Lord laid on my heart. It was for uh, a place for a re- renewal and refreshment for pastors who are our warriors and missionaries who are our heroes. And there's a place now going to be there. We're dedicating it uh, at the, probably at the men's uh, weekend there, Lord willing, as we're getting it better for missionaries to come and stay there and get refreshed and renewed and for pastors to come too. And I just, I just uh, I, you know, I've come to love that camp. And I love this city. I preached here 30 years ago. And when you got off the exit, I wasn't anything between it. It seemed like maybe a gas station. Now I come back and y'all have a big lots. A big deal to have a big lots. You may not think so, but my town I'm in of 7,000, we couldn't even keep a big lots. They left us. That's a shot when you can't keep a big lots, I got to tell you. Worship team, thank you so much. If we accomplish anything with the word today and we know it won't return void, a lot of it has to do with the fact that you've softened our hearts with, with anointed worship. And I know every pastor worth his salt, you know, when it's really good, sometimes we, we, we don't acknowledge it or we don't, you know, we're worshiping too. But when it's off base, it can really set us back, can't it? So I thank God for the worship today. I really sense God's presence. And, and uh, I think I met you now. I may be off with my time a little bit, but I, back when I was teaching youth at Pace Setters for Pastor Dave 100 years ago, uh, Stan Hargis, I don't know if you knew Stan, but yeah, so I was teaching there. And I think, I think I met you. Your hair was darker. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Your hair was darker. Your belt like mine was small. You know, it was years ago, but... Uh, Many meals, I mean moons ago, but uh, anyway, so, uh, and I appreciate, uh, I was telling your pastor, I said, uh, you know, um, uh, I'm used to having water up here, uh, but if I preach long enough that I get hungry enough to have to have a chewy bar, I know it's time to stop. I mean, if you're that hungry, but I appreciate, thank you for your hospitality and for the invite to be here. You know, um, when it comes to uh, uh, messages, I'm reminded of a story I heard a, a few years ago of a young boy who had a friend, and he kept inviting him to church. He'd never been to church of any kind. He kept inviting him to church, and finally his friend came to church. And, of course, his friend was looking around, and he, he saw the greeters at the door. They welcomed him. He said, what are those guys there for? He said, what does that mean? He says, well, that's, that's greeting you, so when you come, you'll feel welcome. And you have greeters here, right? Amen? And then uh, he saw the worship team go up there, and he saw him getting up to sing, and the little boy said, I, he said, what's that? I've never seen. He said, well, they're going to get up and lead us in worship. What does that mean? He says, well, that means we prepare our hearts to receive the word. And then his dad got up to preach, and he took his watch off, held it up, and he set it on the top of the pulpit there so he could see it. And he said to the preacher's kid, he said, what does that mean? And the preacher's son said, absolutely nothing. (laughs) I'll try to be uh, courteous to your time. Thank you all for not having friends that invited you to be somewhere this weekend. Because my church empties out. You know, I'm preaching at one of the northernmost churches in, in the lower peninsula, but I'm the southernmost church. I'm straight down 131, eight miles as the crow flies from the Indiana line, Three Rivers, Michigan. You know, and I, tell, I told your pastor, I said, when he flushes his toilet, my fish tank overflows, so be careful, all right? I mean, literally, if you go over to 131, shoo! So whenever you go to, um, um, I know you don't come to see me, you go to, you go to Shipshawana, but, you know, you can stop and use our restroom and get a drink of water and stuff. That's what most people do when they come in to see me. They're on their way to Shipshawana. Anybody ever been to Shipshawana? All right, there you go. Always good to see the Amish. God bless you. Welcome. Anyway, so we're glad to be in God's house. And when you uh, come and you've already carved out some time. You've already honored the Lord. You got up, you got dressed, you showered. You've already said to the Lord, you're important because you're here. You could be somewhere else. You could be in the bed. You could be out fishing. You could be a lot of places, but you're here. You've already honored the Lord uh, to a point. And now we come and we present ourselves to the Lord. And I know when the brother said it, I say it a lot in my church. I want to leave here more like Jesus than I came. You know, just more like Jesus. Sometimes we get just a little bit more. Sometimes some earth-shattering thing happens to us. But we want to leave here more like him. And the Bible says the the word is what changes us. It changes our mind. It affects our values. I have never changed a thing in my life until my values were changed. 
Sometimes it was subtle. It wasn't obvious. But something happened. In my, and I said, I'm going to stop doing that and start doing that. Or, or start doing that and stop doing that. But something had to change. And it's the Word of God which changes us. Did you know that? And speaking the Word changes us. And getting the Word in us changes us. I'm a Word pastor. People say, are you a faith pastor? Well, yeah, I believe in faith. Are you a, are you a prosperer? Yeah, I want us to prosper in God's, God's definition. I'm all those things. So don't, you, you can't label me as any one thing. I'm whatever God wants. How about you? That's what I want. You a word pastor? Yeah, I preach the word. <laughs> so uh, you, it's hard to label something. I'm, I'm whatever God has for me. I want all that God has. I don't want to leave anything out. So we're going to go to Proverbs. That's a smart book in the Bible, isn't it? Well, you could chew on a proverb every day, and you'd be smarter than you are. So let's look at Proverbs chapter 3. I'll read it quickly. And I know you've been seated, but can we honor the Word? Can I ask you to stand just one more time, you Pentecostals? Come on, you know about it. If you can, stand if you can. Proverbs chapter 3, in honor of the Word today, I read, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. I like that. I like length of days and peace. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, and so find favor. Everybody say favor. Favor. I want favor. And high esteem in the sight of God. I like that. And of man. I like that. And then it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And, everybody say and. Now just look at me for a second. I know you're standing. I'll be brief. Whenever you see an and, that's a bridge word. It means this is connected to that. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Change my life, Lord. Change us today. We've been softened with worship. We placed you above all the distractions, and now you're here. And of course you want to minister to us. Of course you want to open blind eyes. Of course you want to touch lame. Of course you want to move on hearts, God. That's why you're here. So we receive that by faith now. In Jesus' name, all God's people say it. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. Tell somebody next to you, say, just try to listen better than me. I dare you. Just try. Double dog dare you. Paul writes to the Galatian church and he says, you foolish Galatians. That's pretty abrupt. That's not, he says, you fool. What they were doing was they were taking the, the new covenant, but they, were, they weren't really convinced. They weren't really convinced with the new covenant they said, we're going to cover our bases. You ever know somebody like that? You know, I'm going to put faith in God, but I'm also going to lean on my own understanding. I'm going to mix my understanding with my faith. So with the Galatians, what they were doing, they were preaching the gospel, the new message of Jesus, but they were putting the law in. They were adding things to it. As if it wasn't enough. Boy, that really breaks Jesus' heart. He dies on the cross for us, and then we think, well, that's good, but that's not enough. You also got to do this. Man. Can you, you know how to ruin a good altar call, Norm? Can I, be, can, I be, can I talk to these people like I've known them forever? You know how to ruin a good altar call? So ask, ask a bunch of men, how many of you want to accept Jesus in your heart by faith and have them raise their hand and say, oh, and before you leave, you've got to go get circumcised. Boy, that'll drop a few hands. Grown men, that'll drop a few hands. That'll hurt an altar call right there. And that's what they were doing. They were adding to what the truth was. And so when we say we're going to live by faith, we're going to trust in the Lord all our heart, we don't stop there sometimes, do we? What do we do? We try to figure it out ourselves. We add our own. We say, wait a minute, this doesn't seem right. See, if I'm trusting in God, I can't add my own understanding. It says, and lean not on your own understanding. We try to mix it up a little bit because, you know what, it takes faith to have faith. Boy, that's profound. You'll probably steal that and use that. It takes faith to have faith. It's, it, you can't explain faith sometimes. I want to talk to you about a faith that will change your heart and life. Change this church. Change your family. You know, Psalm, David warns us, he says, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses in Psalm 20, but we will trust in the Lord our God. You know, there's a lot of power in horses and chariots. You can get some things done with horses and chariots. When you went to battle with horses and chariots, the people that had the horses and chariots usually, mostly, almost always beat the people on the ground. Now, you ever see, uh, you know, you've seen those uh, uh, gladiator movies. The guys with the horses win. The guys with the chariots win. And so, but, so, and there's nothing wrong with horses and chariots, by the way. How many of you drove here and didn't walk? 
How many of you are glad you got a car? How many would have walked to church anyway without a car? But don't you dare raise your hand. Even, well, maybe today. Maybe. I'd walk to hear Norm preach. Pastor Norm preach. I wouldn't walk to hear me preach, but I'd walk to hear him preach. You know, half a mile or, you know, a couple. Anyway. I think I've stepped out of the message here. I've got to get back in. So here we go. But the idea is, you know, the idea, there's nothing wrong with, a lot, with practical knowledge and nuts and bolts and learning stuff and uh, worldly education. I mean, those things are good, and, you know. But, but I, if we're going to please God, we have to have faith. I tell my board all the time, what are we doing by faith? I mean, we got, we got some smart people. I got vice presidents. I got, I got uh, teachers. We got intellectual people on our board. And you need, you need earthly wisdom. But the Bible says the just shall live by faith, and without faith, it's impossible to please God, it says in Hebrews. So I ask our board, I say, you know, that's good that we're doing this and this, and we're, we, we, we met with the inspectors and all the stuff you got to do to live this side of heaven. But I want to know what are we doing, what are we dreaming, what are we, where are we going by faith? How many know what I'm talking about? Because without faith, you can't please God. So I'm all for chariots and horses. I saw somebody's Colorado, black Colorado, uh, out in the parking lot when I came in. Who, who's is that? Who's is that? Black Colorado truck? Well, good. You don't want it anymore. I'll take it. Great. Thanks. Won't be ashamed. Just right out here by the, uh, I don't know, maybe they're doing something downstairs, but you got to have wheels, man. You got to have things, but you know, you can't just stand, stay in the bed and say, Lord, if you want me in church, just, you know, beam me up, Scotty. You can't do that. You got to, there's a practical side to living for Jesus. But there's also a faith side, a trust side. And other people think you're nuts sometimes when you're trusting. Because you're trusting God for what has given you. And God hasn't asked them to do. They haven't, nobody's been asked to live your life but you. That's what happens in, in, in the world. You know? uh, a lot, and and, and I, so you, even when it comes to forgiveness, sometimes people, something will happen. Some, some disloyalty or some betrayal. And, and I'll say, to them, I, say I don't, man, I, I, don't, I hope I could forgive that, but I hope I never have to find out, you know. But God doesn't give you the grace until you need it. You know that. We've all had that. You know, betrayal is a horrible thing because in order, in order for someone to betray me, I have to think they love me and I have to love them. A lot of people can be mean to us, but when we're betrayed, to trust that we would forgive that. We know what the Bible says. We have to forgive to be forgiven, but we don't get the grace to do it till we need it. So God is, has all, as I look over the wonderful churches, all, we're all in different paths when it comes to faith. But wherever we're stepping, God wants us to step it out by faith. And that's what Hebrews eleven six says. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he comes to God who God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So you got to have faith. If you don't have faith, if you're not walking in faith, you're not pleasing God. There's an old hymn. I want to just read it really quickly. I'll talk fast. I'm from 30 minutes outside of New York City. I'm a Yankee fan in Detroit Tiger country. And, you know, thank you for listening anyway. Of course, if you're a Tiger fan, at least you're not a Lion fan. <laughs> Lions haven't had a good season since they faced the Gladiators. <laughs> anyway, you'll think of that. You'll get that later on. <laughs> yeah, well, everybody's still there? Okay. Listen to this, listen to this old hymn. I don't, we don't sing a lot of hymns, but I want you to listen to the words. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let his praises ring. Glory to the highest I will shout and sing. I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises that cannot fail when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail. By the living word of God I shall prevail. I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises I now can see, perfect present cleansing in the blood for me. Standing in the liberty where Christ makes me free, I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises of Christ the Lord, bound to him eternally by love's strong cord, overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword, I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises I cannot fail, listening every moment to the Spirit's call, Resting in my Savior as my all in all. I'm standing on the promises of God. It takes faith and trust to stand on those promises. We haven't sing, I haven't sung that hymn in years, but I can't get away from those lyrics. And I know we've moved away from hymns in a lot of our churches, but some of those verses are so powerful. You know? In fact, we could probably introduce, introduce a, the hymns with a little waka, 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 waka on the guitar, and people think it's a new chorus. Well, here's seven or eight keys, depending on my time up here, how long I stay, that I want to give you 
to make sure you're walking out in faith and you're trusting God. God has called us to be a people of faith. The fact that you've been born again makes you a person of faith. Trusting God is the key to walking out your faith. Psalm 910 said, those who know your name will trust in you. For you, O Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. I can trust the Lord when I feel alone. You know, the book of Job is a fascinating book. And you can't read the first one or two chapters without going, oh my goodness, how did he do it? How did he do it? You know the story. I won't take a lot of time. He loses, uh, he loses his children. He loses, uh, the devil comes. And says, well, he's, only, he's only trusting you and living for you because you blessed him. And, and, and God says you can take it all away, but don't kill him. Even though I think there was probably a part of time in Job's life where he said, you know, that would be better off that way. But, so he loses all his children, and we love our kids, don't we? And even, we even love our teenagers. You know, it takes faith, but we love them. We love our junior hires. Because we know, well, I saw a bumper sticker. My sister had it and said, grandchildren, I have six of the most beautiful grandchildren in the world. If you give me a couple hours, I'll tell you about them after church, all right? And they are God's reward for not killing your, your kids. That's what grandkids are, you know. God rewards you. So he loses, his, he loses all his possessions. He loses all his cattle. His sheep are burned up. His fields are burned up. His, wife, his friends come and they mock and they say, what's wrong with you? He loses his, all his family except the one he should have lost, his wife. She sticks around and mocks him. Thanks, Satan, you know. And yet here's what he says. He makes a declaration. It's most fascinating to me. I, I've read it over and over. And it says, Though he, now think about this, you talk about trust. Though he slay me, yet I'll serve him. I got back from India. I preached for the general superintendent of India two Sundays ago. Went into the slums of India, the slums. Children worshiping and pastors living there to live with them who don't have to. Living in buildings and worshiping in churches that you wouldn't put your John Deere in because it would rust. Lights going on throughout the day, walking through mud puddles. I hope it was mud. I can show you pictures, but it doesn't capture the way they live because of it. How do you know that a picture, I'm just glad my pictures weren't scratch and sniff because the smell. And I watch these little kids raise their hands up and sing praises to the Lord. The Holy Spirit moved on me and I started asking God to forgive me for everything I ever complained about. And then I met these pastors who don't have to live there but have chosen to live among these people. These people. They're not going to, because they don't want to parachute in on a Sunday. And these people are trusting God. While we were in there, the lights went out five or six times, came back on. I said, why does that happen? They said, the government does it because they know they can and bare wires hanging. We got any electricians in here? You're an electrician? I need you up at the cabin, up at the cabin. No, I'm kidding. Bare wires, 220 wires hanging, and not even a, 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 a whatever they call those nuts. What do they call the nuts? That, nuts. Okay. Well, thanks. 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 The proverb speaks right here. Nuts. Wing nuts. No, lug nuts. Wire nuts. Yeah, it is a wire, so it would be a wire nut. I am not an electrician. Well, we don't, they don't even have those. You just bring the wire together. And you're walking through puddles, and the wires are so low, I can even touch them. Make up your own short joke, okay, right now. And I'm thinking, my goodness, this place is a, this place is, and they lose people all the time. What they don't lose is cows, because they're laying around everywhere, and you have to stop. There are cows everywhere. There's a, there's a hunger problem throughout the country, and there's, there's, you know, there's Whoppers and Big Macs all over the place. Job in the midst of it. Just read the first two or three chapters. It's unbelievable. And really, you know, you, you have to have faith to figure out God because you're thinking, hey, God, what are you doing? Why are you letting this happen? Because the Bible says he did the whole thing and did not sin. Wow. We, stu we stub our toe and think in the middle of the night, think, boy, doesn't God love me? I've done it. Ow, where's God when you need him, you know? Stub our toe and we think, why was thou forsaken me? Job says, even if you kill me in my last breath, I will trust you. I want that kind of faith. How about you? I want that kind of faith. 
Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He was never all by himself. He lost everything, but he was never by himself. God is with you. I don't know any of you. I know a few of you a little bit, but I don't know what you're going through, but I promise you, you may be down in a valley, down, way down, but God is there with you. You may be in a mountaintop experience. If you are, remember, that's not you. That's God that did that for you. He's there with you. It's just as, it's just as wrong to ignore God when you're at the top as it is when you're down at the bottom. Just as troublesome. But he's there. I promise you he's there. Steve, how can you say? I say that because I declare that God's word is true. And I'm stand, I trust him enough to believe that if he says he's with you, he's with you. You may feel alone, but you are not alone. And you can't trust you. You know, feelings make good servants, but they're rotten masters. You know, when you move on a feeling, you feel, I feel led. To, those are good. But don't let them master you. Because when we're alone sometimes, we feel alone. But I'm not going to let that feeling master me. That's a servant of mine. To give me empathy and sympathy. God lets me go through hurts. So when you're hurting, I can say, I know how you feel. So trust the Lord when I feel alone. I can do it and so can you. I can trust the Lord when I'm worried about the future. But Jeremiah says, for I know the plans I have for you. Plans of good and not for claiming to give you a future and a hope. I can trust God for my future. This too shall pass. This is the way it is, but this is not the way it's going to be. This is what I did, but this is not who I am. My future is going to be better than it is right now. I can trust God for that. I don't know what journey you've been on, and I don't know what your past has been, but I know that I can declare that, if, that whatever you're at. Listen, my first, my worst day, my worst day with Jesus is better than my best day without him. How about you? My worst day. Go ahead. Give the Lord a praise. Come on, sister. Don't. Give the Lord a praise. Listen, don't let their apathy hold you back from praising God. You lead it out, okay? God bless you. That's good right there. That'll help you later when I'm gone, you know. I can also trust the Lord when I feel incapable. How many of you are like, I get frustrated with things. I don't know what to do. My father was a contractor. I led him to the Lord at 67 years old. He was the meanest man I've ever met without God. He had a temper. He was... So he was a carpenter, and I don't know anything about carpentry because I got away from him as much as I could. My youth pastor was a landscaper, so I can help you with your bushes because I went and hung out with him. But I can hardly fix a thing. My wife says, how much is it going to cost? And it's going to be $300. If I said, well, I think I can fix it. She said, well, if you try, it's going to cost us $400. So just. We can feel incapable in the life. Noah felt incapable at first when they asked him. They asked him to build a boat where there had never been rain. There was no water. It's ridiculous. All his friends came around him and said, you are a knucklehead. And I'm using nice words. You're an idiot. What's wrong with you? And God actually gave him specifics of how to do it. When we feel incapable and God asks us to do something, he will guide and direct us along the way. But we got to pick up the hammer and the saw. and we got to start working. As long as we lay back, God will. But as soon as we step out in faith, God will start to give you the, the plans how to make it happen. If God calls you to work with youth, he will make it happen. If God calls you to work with children, he will, give you, he will equip you. If God calls you to be part of the prayer team, he will come and he will help you to pray. In other words, if God calls you to do it, he won't. Listen, God won't ask you to do what you're not capable of doing. The Lord has never asked me to slam dunk a basketball. That wouldn't be being a good dad, would it? He's a perfect father. He's never asked me to do it. I played point guard in college and a little bit, but he never asked me to slam dunk a basketball. So if God calls you to do something, build an ark, he will show you and teach you and equip you to do it. No, it's a great story that way. We're, we, you know what we do when we get asked something? We're not, we think, I'm not capable, it must not be God. It is God moves us into doing things which we thought we could never do. Because if I could do it by my, if I know I could do it by myself, brother, I don't need faith. How many instruments do you play? Guitar and what? Congas. All right, well, you know what? I'm not going to call you up here to play a piano song at the end of the service today. If I do, it's going to take faith, isn't it? And maybe some earplugs for the rest of us, but. But if God himself spoke to his heart and said, go to that piano, we have testimony. God has equipped people. We've had story, I've heard amazing stories of that. What's God asking you to do? So I, don't, I, 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 I can't do it. You've got to trust him. You've got to trust him. 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If God calls me to do it, I can do it. Also, number four, I can trust the Lord when I, when I need to know what to do. Moving from the physical to the wisdom. Boy, pastors, we're all the time. People want to, want to know, what are we going to do? How are we going to do it? A lot of times, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to do. You've, have you ever been there? I mean, you're smarter than me. You probably always know what. But I don't, sometimes I'm like, oh, how are we going to do? In fact, I'm the vision person. I'm saying, we're going to do this. And somebody will come up to me and say, well, how are we going to do it? And I don't say, I don't know. Ask Lil. I don't know how we're going to do it. I just know God wants us to do it. She's the manager. I'm the, you know, the other one. So I. But we know we can go to God and learn what to do. James says that. He says, if any of us lack wisdom, ask of God, and he'll give to all men generously without reproach. God wants to give you the wisdom, but he wants you to come and ask. Don't you like it, Dad, Mom? Listen, don't you love it when our kids come to us and say, hey, Daddy, can you help me? Or Mom, can you show me? What happened? Why? Because what do we really do? When that happens, they are acknowledging us in the relationship. And God wants us to turn to him. God wants us to ask him. When that happens, there's a connection that begins to take place, a love connection. Because I'm saying, Lord, I, I recognize you're smarter than me. As long as I think I'm smarter than you, I'm, 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 re- I'm looking for some heartache. But as soon as I begin to say, Lord, I need your help. And, and, and here's what, God doesn't give it out like that. Well, here you are again, Miller. No, he says he gives it out generously, without reproach. There's no, there's no, there's no, really? You don't know this, you idiot. Didn't I tell you about this three years ago? No, he says, no reproach. I'm glad you've come. Wow. Man, the, I, the time I've wasted trying to figure things out by myself and my own understanding, leaning on that, Norm, Pastor Norman, I should have gone to God, spent more time in prayer and less time trying to figure it out myself or fix it myself. A lot of us men are fixers. We see a problem, we go fix it. Let's, we better, and God wants us to, you know, by the way, when you're praying, someone says all he's doing is praying, he's not doing anything. How about when you're praying, you're doing something? My goodness. You're doing the most important thing sometimes. Now, I'm not saying we don't need feet to our prayer, but we got to pray. We, always, some, we pray after we've tried. We, get, we wait until we get two strikes on us, and then we say, oh, man, I need to pray. We should, how many of you know we should pray before we pick up a bat? How many of you know the Tigers need to just pray all of them before they pick up a bat? Us Yankee fans, are, we're such snobs. Number five, I can trust the Lord when I have a need. Boy, that's a tough, when it's tough, based on the need, that's a tough time, isn't it? A lot of times needs are accompanied with hurt. We have a need, and we look around, and other people seem to have their needs met, and our needs met, and then the, 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 the evil one whispers, and hey, they love them more than you, or if God really loved you, you wouldn't have this need. He's always trying to separate us from trusting, doesn't he? How come they're being blessed? You know, how come their ministry's growing and yours not? How come? And, and there's always, a, but we have a need, and boy, and it, it hurts. Sometimes the needs hurt. When I, was, when I was a youth pastor at Fairland years ago, I had my daughter, uh, she... Uh, she was, I think, seven years old, and when she was much younger, she, she had to get glasses, and I always felt bad about that. Little kid with glasses, you know, I, I just thought, man, why should a little child need glasses? You know, their eyes should be good, but she started getting these glasses, and, and when she first got them, she could see better, and we were happy, you know, and then, but every time she went to the doctor to have her eyes checked, she needed thicker glasses, and so after a while, you know, her, her eyes looked big, and she's a little thing, you know. Tiffany was tiny and, and petite, and she had these glasses, you know, and, and kids are mean. How many know kids can be rotten? They called her bug eyes and four eyes. She even had an uncle that called her four eyes. I'm going to smack him, you know. It was a brother-in-law. It wasn't related. It wasn't blood-related, you know, it's out there. And she would cry, and so, so, so she was, she, when she was about seven, she made the cheerleading team at Fairland Christian School as a, as a little, little cheerleader. And she was tumbling, and she forgot to take her glasses off, and she broke her glasses. And every time we got new glasses, they came back thicker. And I thought, oh, man, because I felt bad for her, you know, and I felt bad. And she would, you know, she's, she's a, she was a little, she is a, she's a wonderful woman now, but she, and, you know, I mean, you know how daddy is. You know, this is our first, our first child, and here she is wearing these, and she's, now she's broke her glasses. And I told her, let me go get her new glasses. And we had just moved from Birmingham, Alabama, to, to uh, uh, or from Kalamazoo there, to, and we had new eye doctor. So, so uh, before we went in, we prayed, and, 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 and she's, we, I'd prayed for her eyes before, and I, I'm, a, I'm embarrassed to tell you, I didn't have much faith. You know, I mean, it had been progressively worse. I mean, that was the track. And, and, but she said, you know, Daddy, let's pray that um, Jesus will touch my eyes. There's a difference between childish faith and childlike faith. 
Let me say that again. There's a difference between childish faith. Childish faith says I'm going to go run out on I-75 and God will protect me. That's foolishness. And childlike faith. And I remember she was in a, I had a little, I had a little Chevy Spectrum. Everybody remember the Chevy Spectrums? They were like, uh, I think they lasted for two years and then they became, un, it was like a tuna can with wheels, Norm. I mean, you know. And she pulled over my lap we're going, and, and, and she said, Daddy, I don't want to be called bug eyes anymore and, and Jesus is going to heal my eyes. And I wish I would have told her, I would have said, yes, thus saith the Lord thy child. The Lord. But inside I'm thinking, oh, man, we're setting ourselves up for disappointment. Because I didn't want to be disappointed. How many, got any daddies out there, you get what I'm saying? But she said, let's pray, Daddy. So I prayed, and it wasn't the best prayer. I said something like, well, Lord, if it be thy will, if, you know, it could possibly, you know, maybe, and touch my daughter's eyes, you know. So my wife is here to testify, so we went to this new doctor because we were the first time we go in there, and I'm, we're waiting out in the room, and usually it took just a couple minutes, and they, they gave her the new lenses, and they were a little bigger, and eyes were a little bigger, you know, she come out, little kid, big eye, old bug eyes, you know, I mean, ooh, that used to make me mad when kids, and, and she came out, remember what he said? He said, why is she wearing glasses? She, she had told us that the glasses weren't working good anymore, and I thought, oh, no, she's going to need thicker glasses. Because every time they didn't work, she said, I don't see as good with my glasses. And then she breaks them because we held off as long as we could, you know. She broke them. So she goes in for the eye test. Are you hearing me, church? The doctor said, why is this girl wearing glasses? Her eyes are 20-20. You remember that, Lil? Praise the Lord. <laughs> this, is on, this is online. This is online. Well, that was when she was, was she eight, seven, eight, something, seven? And now she's a little years old, and she's never wore glasses to this day. I don't even think she reads, uses reading glasses, does she? She doesn't wear, well, are you kidding me? A little kid who said, Daddy, let's pray. Jesus will touch my eyes. Man. We, we need to have that. When we, you have a need here today? Listen to me. By faith. Why not today? Why not today can't your need be met? Why can't you be touched today? Whether it's physical or emotional healing or spiritual. Why, of, of course Jesus wants to touch you. He's not holding back. We can have faith when we have a need. Same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs. For, uh, he wrote to the Philippian church from his glorious riches who've been given to us in Christ Jesus. Number six, I can trust the Lord when I am weak. Second Corinthians says, when I'm weak, he's strong. When I'm, when I'm weak, I say, Lord, I can't do it. I can't do it, Lord. The Lord says, I got you where I want you right now. When you thought you could do it, you were struggling. But now, you're saying you're weak. Now we can do something. Now we got something where we can work. We turn to God in our weakness. He gives power to the weak, says in Isaiah 40, and strength to the powerless. Even youth will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk, and they will not faint. That's my wife's favorite verse. She's watched me over the years get weaker and weaker and weaker. And I tell her, even young men will get weak, the Bible says. I can't run as fast as I used to, and I certainly can't run as long as I used to. I'll tell you that. But this is talking about spiritual strength, which is much more important. Physical strength is important. Staying healthy is important, but our spiritual strength. Listen, when you feel weak, when you fail, when you've fallen, don't run from the church, run to the church. Don't run from the cross, run to the cross. How many people, how many empty seats? This is a good crowd on a holiday weekend. I thank God for every one of you. But how many seats in this church are empty because somebody ran from the Lord when they were weak or they fell and laid down. They didn't get up like a righteous man does. I bet if you go back over 20 years, everyone who, if they'd kept running, kept trusting, this place would need two services on a Sunday morning. Is that not right, Pastor? You could probably, he won't do it because he's a grace man, but he could put a name on these chairs of people. Breaks our heart as pastors. We weep. People have given up. They got it weary, and they didn't run to Jesus. They didn't, they didn't take the strength. They didn't run to the cross. They listened to the lies of the evil one and said, you failed. You messed up. God doesn't love you. Who do you think you are? You know what the Bible says in Hebrews? Come boldly to the throne of grace. So, boldly. Wait a minute. We don't even have to come down like, I mean, I'm not saying we shouldn't be humble when we fall. Don't get me wrong. But when we raise up, there's got to become a time you got you to gotta fess up. 
then you got to get up, and then you got to go up, get those hands up. In other words, we, I like the fact that he, you know, he could have said just come to the throne of grace, but he added that word boldly. Why? Because a price has been paid even for my failures. And when I'm weak, he is strong, and I can come to him. And the people who don't come to him, they end up leaving the faith and leaving the fellowship. Every one of us has come back to the You know what grace is? It's unmerited favor, which means if you deserve it, it's not grace. So if you deserve it, if you qualify for it, it could, be, it could be a blessing, it could be favor, but it's not grace if you deserve it. Grace by its nature is undeserved. So when you decide, you know, I don't deserve this, you're right. Now go get to grace. When we obey God, we get the blessing. And by the way, obedience is always better than sacrifice. Say amen real quick. But when we fail, when we fall, and when we're weak, we come boldly to the throne of unmerited favor because a price has already been paid for that failure. So we fess up, we take responsibility, we get up, and we go up to the throne of grace. And then we raise up our hands and we say, well, that's a mini sermon inside the sermon. Man, I just got double dip today. I'll use that. That's pretty good. I like that. Yeah, no, I'm over there writing stuff down. We can also trust the Lord when we're sick. I don't know, what you're, I don't know where you are here today with your, with your physical needs, but I know that being hurting, you know, pain, pain can cause us to lose our faith, can it? Pain's an amazing, you know, pain. I, I, I tell our church a lot, I say, you know, when I become, when I'm hurting and I become tired physically, emotionally, and spiritually, I'm in, I'm, I can get in deep weeds. So a lot of time we're suffering pain because we don't get our rest that we need. We don't honor the Sabbath. We don't, you know, we don't acknowledge that. But other times, because we live this side of heaven in a fallen world, we get sick. We, we get sick. And, and when we're hurting, when we feel pain, when we're limping, it could be a, it could be a physical limp, a spiritual limp, that's a, that's a testing time. Now, where are we going to go? What are we going to do? What are we going to say? Are we going to say, oh, yeah, I always had this, I always will. I'm never going to change. Or are we going to say, nope, by faith, I'm believing that God's going to die. I'm going to love God no matter what happens. But I, but I am confessing that I'm believing God to touch my life and change me. Somebody say amen real quick. Praise God. God wants to touch you today. James said, if there's any of you sick, call upon the elders of the church and pray over the anointing of the oil. And he says, such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. Whenever I pray, someone says, did you think, do I think, I think when I pray for a sick person, now I want you to look at me, I'm getting near the end of my message and I'm going to be gone like a wisp, I'll be out of here. You'll be like, who was that guy? But I want to tell you something, whenever I pray for a sick person, every single time I expect God to heal them. Are you nuts, Steve? Well, I'm a little nuts maybe, but I do. I mean, I don't expect God not to heal them. You want somebody praying for you that doesn't expect God to heal them? I expect God to heal them. Now, we're going to love the Lord no matter what happens. But when I pray, if I pray for you, if I anoint you with oil, I have enough faith for both of us. I'm expecting God to heal you. Throw those crutches down and run around the church. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, give me, give me bread and bang, get hit, with, hit in the head with a stone. I expect the Lord to heal. I'm not mad at him when he does it, and I love him no matter what, and I want you to love him too, but... Don't you want somebody praying for you who, who's believing that God is going to do what we're asking him to do? People say, well, do you expect God to heal? Yes. Well, why does he? I don't know. I don't know. I do know that in other countries where all they have is faith, there's a lot more miracles going on. They don't have the comforts we have and conveniences. And, you know, there's a lot more, there's a lot more miracles going on when I preach in other countries than in America. And that's not to put anybody under any you know, indictment or anything, if you, you know, I, I, if you're guilty, then just say, I'm guilty, I need more faith, you know, conviction, by the way, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of churches that don't believe in conviction, I, I, I want conviction, I don't want guilt, you know, I, don't, I think we can have, we can, the Lord takes away our guilt and shame, but conviction is my best friend, I want conviction, so if, I, if you're sitting out there now, and you say, yeah, you know, I really have kind of given up on God when it comes to healing me, I want you to feel, ah, man, Miller, ouch, so today when we close, I want you to just raise your hand right where you are and say, Lord, I confess I receive my healing in Jesus' name. Sometimes we anoint, sometimes we gather around, sometimes people lay hands, sometimes you just claim it and receive it. Did you know that's what the Bible teaches? It's good to preach what the Bible teaches. You don't get in trouble. You know, I don't, hey, Jeff, Jeff Eleven might see this, and I want to preach what the Bible preaches. 
Teach what the, Jesus taught. James is writing to the believers. And lastly, and maybe most importantly for some of you here today, well, it is if you're in this boat. I can trust the Lord when I've sinned. That's right. You know it takes the same faith to believe God to forgive you as it did for God to save you in the first place. Did you know that? It takes the same faith when you believe your salvation that when you sin, it takes the faith to believe that his blood will forgive you again. How many empty chairs are here because somebody is believing what the devil says about him instead of what God says about him? You're worthless now. You, you, you were in the church and you did that. God's not going to love you anymore. That's not what the Bible says. Now we're back to Hebrews and the throne of grace for, for personal sin. I'm not going to let my transgression keep me from the blessing of the forgiveness which Jesus provided on Calvary for me. And we've lost people from the kingdom of God because they didn't understand what the Bible said. Oh, you, listen, depending on your level of leadership, you may, have, you may have to step aside for a while and you may have to, you may have to pull back from your, from your authority and influence as you walk out your faith. But every, there is nothing you can do. Look at me, everybody. There's nothing you can do right now as we stand here now. There's nothing you can do or say that cannot be forgiven. Now, someone says, well, what about grieving the Holy Ghost? If you grieve the Holy Ghost, it, listen, if you've done that, then you're not going to feel anything anyway. You're rejecting what I'm saying right now. You're rejecting God's forgiveness, and that's unforgivable. But everything else. Some of us sit in church, and we still haven't accepted forgiveness. We sit in church, and we pretend to be right with God, but we're not receiving his blessing or his direction because we really believe what the devil says, and he says, you're not worthy. You've transgressed after you knew the way, and I'm, I'm gonna, God's not, God doesn't love you. God's not going to forgive you. You know the word unforgiveness is not a word? That's pretty smart. You, some of you are going to be Googling that later, but it's not a word. Now, you can, we can turn the tap off of mercy in our lives by not showing mercy. And we all know the story of the person that the king let out of prison for owing a small amount, a large amount, and forgave him. And then he went and found somebody immediately, owed him a little bit, and grabbed him by the throat and said, give me what you owe me. And what did the king do when he found him? Threw him back in jail. But not for the previous sin that had been forgiven. That was forgiven. As far as east is from the west. He threw him in for the current sin of unforgiveness. Some of us are holding on to things that happened 2, 5, 7, 10, 20 years ago. We've asked God to forgive us and the devil says, he won't do it. The devil is a liar. In fact, once we determine who's talking to us, we know whether he's telling us the truth. If something comes out from the devil that's not into our mind, that's not in the Bible, we know that is not the truth. He's the father of lies. The Word of God says, you may come boldly, believer, child of God, to the throne, his throne of grace in the time of need. What greater time of need is than when you're struggling with something that is, you've not been forgiven of? I can't think of a greater need. God wants you to leave this place free. And is it Sarah? Where's Sarah? Is her name Sarah? Musician? Are you the musician? Who's the piano player? Are you? Can you help us out with a little plinka plinka? You know? This is a time to play your favorite, okay? Whatever's your favorite, all right? I hope it's not rap. I don't know how to close with rap. <laughs> you know what a tragedy would be? A tragedy would be for you to leave here today under the burden of guilt and shame and ignore the conviction of the Holy Spirit and walk out of here the same way you came in. It would also be tragedy if you came in here bitter and resentful for somebody and you weren't, hadn't yet come to a place where you were forgiven. Today you can lay that resentment and bitterness at the altar, at the foot of the cross. You can leave this place different than you came. If you're hurting today, emotional, spiritual, or physical pain, you can reach out to the Lord and let him touch you and he can touch that pain today. He wants to do it. He wants to do it. Why would, of course he wants to do it. Why would a loving God go, no, nah, not you? Nope. He wants to touch you. Would you stand with me? I've been asking the Lord as I've been talking how to close. I think I'm going to, I think because of the way we're closing this out about this personal thing, Pastor Norma, you know these people better than I do. 
come up here as a shepherd of this church and and let the Holy Spirit guide you how to close this service out. Thank you for I know the pulpit's a precious desk to you, and thank you for allowing me to spend some time with your dear people. But I believe the Holy Spirit wants them to go out here different. I'm going out here different. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Just want to ask if you felt the Holy Spirit as Pastor Steve said if you felt that conviction which conviction is not a bad thing the Lord said that he would discipline those who he loved and conviction is a part of that he's saying look you're going the wrong direction sin is missing the mark sin is getting your bow up shooting that arrow and it's going off who knows where but God wants you to be intentional he wants you to be on track on target he wants you to do things his way that's what it means Proverbs 3 5 and 6 to trust in him and lean not to your own understanding acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your path he wants you to take a specific path but if you turn your back on him, if you shun him, if you say, no, not that one. No. Lord, you can have all the other sins, all other 99 of them, but that one, nope, that, that's dear to me. you got to let it go. Surrender. And that's why he convicts us. He'll continue to convict us until we get down on our knees and we say, enough, Lord. I've tried it my way. I've been doing it my way. I've missed it. Today is the day I say yes to you. I can't do this anymore on my own. Have your way. Forgive me, Lord. Fess up. Get up. What's the other one? Go up. Yeah. There you go. Thank you. I had it there. <laughs> I wrote down Hebrews 4.16, Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that, another one of those, a connector, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. If you're in need today, in any area of your life, would you just lift your hand up so I can see it? Yeah. Hands going up all over the room. Hallelujah. I want you to say this with me and listen. I believe every time we pray like this, that the Lord is listening. He's in our midst. You know what the Bible says, where two or more gather in His name, in the name of Jesus. He is here with us. And I believe that with all my heart. It takes faith to believe that, by the way. But I believe that with all my heart, that He is here. So I want you to pray this prayer. And even if you didn't lift your hand up, would you just pray with us as a part of the family? Because we support all the other folks that did. Pray this with me. Heavenly Father, I'm needy. I admit that I have sinned and fallen short of your glorious standard. And today, I confess my sin before men and you. Forgive me, Lord. Make me a new person. Change me. Shape me. Mold me into the person of God that you've called me to be. And this need that I have, Lord, I come boldly to your throne today. Not timidly. Boldly. I give you my life. All that I am and all that I have. Now use me, Lord. Make me into that person you want me to be. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand this morning. This is, this is an addendum, so this won't count against my preaching time. 
We're looking for a youth pastor in our church, and we need workers. Every church I know. It, you know, you go to a church of 5,000, they need a lot of workers. You go to a church of 2,000. Every church I've ever preached in or worked in, we needed more workers. And you, you need workers here? Sure you do, right? So here's what I want to, I hope I'm not, if I get in trouble, if this is wrong, next week say, don't listen to him, okay? But don't do it in front. Don't embarrass me, all right? What we've done is we've added to our phone, you know, Luke 10.2 says, the harvest is white, labor for you, pray for so at 10-2 every day, a little buzzer goes off. And my wife and I, whatever we're doing, we stop and we say, Lord, give us workers. for Because Jesus said to do this. He said, pray. So 10-2 is Luke 10-2. Isn't that clever? Nice. That's pretty clever. Yeah. That's EP clever. Yeah. yeah. And so at 10-2, at can you imagine if this church does this? A buzzer goes off. Some of you are working on just a little bit. And you stop. And it's just a short little prayer. Lord, thank you. And I'm going to add your church. Because I had this, my other buddy in Florida and say, Lord, give us workers for new hope, for glad tidings, and for the hope. Give us workers for field. Now, if you set that in your phone, it'll beep and remind you. And write it 10, 10.02 a.m. Not, not 10.02 at night, because I know many of you are like, you don't want that. But 10.02 in the morning, we stop and we pray, Lord, give us workers for the harvest. Would you join me in that prayer? Would you join me in that prayer? Can you set that on your phone or however you can remind? If you don't do it, you'll forget. But 1002, I'll be praying for y'all. Y'all be praying for us down south in Three Rivers, down, down yonder. And then there's a church in, in St. Petersburg that's praying too. And we'll be praying for harvest. Because I, I know you're looking for staff, but also we need volunteers. We need laborers. Amen? Does that, does that bear witness with your spirit? All right. God bless you. All right. How many enjoyed the message today? Got something out of it? You're challenged? You know, when we, when we get to the holidays and we have an awesome speaker, a powerful message, thank you. You know what grieves me the most is all the people that didn't get to hear it. So make sure and tell them all what they missed so they'll go back and listen to the podcast or the live stream. Archive version, that is. Listen, uh, we love you. Thank you for coming out today. And I hope that you have a continued blessed weekend, uh, uh, Labor Day weekend. Father, again, keep us safe as we play, as we enjoy our families. Help us to let our light shine, Lord, brightly and not to cover it up with a bushel. But Lord, I pray people would know who we represent, ambassadors to Jesus. We love you and we give you this church in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week in the Lord.